Gentlemen, welcome back to another episode of Zero Lift. I'm your host, Ryan, and I'm joined by Lenny. Bonjour. And John. Hey, buddy. Oh, hi. Uh, today, we are talking about uh, when safety didn't matter, is a truck, and we're doing a wonderful game of Scrapped Race Daily with the car that we're talking about uh, today on the podcast. So that's what we are talking about. Let's talk about what we've done uh this week obviously not watching f1 although i've been watching the twitter sphere space go wild uh lenny have have you driven or started your car this uh week? i did start it i did drive it out of the garage then i gave it a wash but bruh. then i backed it back into the garage bruh and that was it <laughs> bruh it's very mean? depressing I'm, I'm living a very depressing life right now you're in california dog I know, and the weather's been absolutely crap. We've been getting hit by a bunch of rain, and it's been cold. It's been dreary, but that means that up in the mountains, it's been snowing a crap ton. Okay, yeah, deflect that. Yeah, that's right, deflect that. So, yeah. yeah, so I'm I'm looking forward to the snowboard season that I cannot ride because I did not get my Epic Pass. I uh, did. So there's that. I, I, I continue my depressing life story any at this point. listeners got an epic pass at me where we going where we go lake tahoe is where it's at right now kirkwood got a, a load of snow heavenly got a load of snow north star got a load of snow and heavenly i was looking at their map uh just the other day they opened up or they created or opened up a new bowl section if you're looking on the map on a piece of paper it's the most left corner uh, I think it might be on the Nevada side, actually. Uh, it's like it looks like a nice bowl. It's got some trees uh, heavily through the on the bottom section, but the top looks really wide. Bowl should be nice uh, with some good snow. So when you going? If anybody's going to Heavenly and listening, check that out. When you let going? us know. How do you guys always get back on the topic of snowboarding? Is that just the thing <laughs> when there's snow like, in the air? When it's too <clears throat> cold to go shred yeah, some tires, too- shredding lines. The thing to do when it's man. too cold or wet, yeah. Okay, I think you just need to. We need to get cars that like the Finns have, uh, or something like that, so that we don't have excuses, bro. Why do you think <laughs> I have a TRD Tacoma, man? I'm out there getting. I mean, I, yeah, I have a Lexus GX 470 to could go into the snow and do things like that. So yeah, yeah, we're and equipped also, here. Okay. We're properly equipped. Me you guys are talking about snow. <laughs> what about it? I actually had, believe this or not, 70-degree weather and a tornado come through. Multiple tornadoes hit Nebraska this last week. Oh, damn. Uh, recorded top uh, wind speeds of 95-mile-per-hour uh, gusts with this storm. And uh, it was cool. And then on top of that, the kicker. Uh, that doesn't I sound cool to, at all. I needed to wash my car no. because all the winds were coming up from the south. This storm stretched from Wichita, Kansas to Sioux Falls. And so the wind gusts coming from the south actually dumped all of the ash and soot from the Kansas fires basically after the storm came through. So you had every car in Omaha was speckled with ash and dust and soot. Ew. That's (laughs) terrible for your paint. Oh, yeah. I had to wash everything. Um, it It was nuts. So you guys are talking about snow and snowboarding, and it's I got nothing, and I'm in the Midwest. Uh, it's kind of wild. It's climate change, I guess. Can I? I got a. 
Unpopular opinion. Oh. Okay. As a Midwest kid, I miss tornadoes. How is that an unpopular opinion? <laughs> so you get it. <laughs> well, yeah, I'm a Midwesterner. Although, although the new tornado alley is apparently the South. Uh, like I'm gonna Kentucky and like everywhere else is getting hit by tornadoes now. I'm gonna need some enlightenment in that department there. Why? Right. Uh, so like, because it's you don't go in the basement. You go to your porch. Like you set the basement up. Mm-hmm. You know, but like, I don't know. All of us in the Midwest have basements, one, and if you're doing well for yourself, that basement is usually like a really dope like den or rec room or something. So like Or full of antiques. Yeah. <laughs> like when I was a kid, my dad got a raise, you know, and he like put a bar in our basement and that's where the big screen TV was. And, uh, oh, so you're, you're basically just a bunch of doomsday preppers to begin with. No, there's no prepping. There, there's no prepping. Why basement. else would you have a bar in your basement? Utilizing your square footage. To, to... Utilizing your square footage. Yeah, dude. It's... Unless you're planning to spend a lot of time there. Yeah, we did spend like a lot a of storm. time. That we no, it was it was that was the den. That was the fuck. That was the rec room. That was the the. That was the hangout spot. Oh, okay. bro, my basement was like. 2,000 square feet? Like, it was huge. huge. That was a huge basement. Yeah. My basement was absolutely massive. And, yeah, there was a freaking bar. And it was like, like, my dad, like, put all his stuff. Like, it was nice. Like, like, it was nice, nice. And, uh, and then, like, huge sectional couch with a big TV. And then there was another corner where we had all of our video games set up. That's where all of our Mm -hmm. video games were. My, you know, we had one of those old 90s, like, TV cabinets with the TV, and then we had, like, Sega Genesis, regular Nintendo, Super Nintendo, like, all, just stuff that we found at the garage sale, Atari, like, it was all just on this TV cabinet, there's a little corner with a little mini couch, and that was the kid's corner where we played video games, like, the basement was dope. Damn, that sounds it's awesome. Corner. It was awesome! Uh, See, I, I, I never, I never had a basement to 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 do this in. People this don't like, know all, these things. All I had was apartments growing up in the in New York City, so... Yeah, but right. Like, so if you look at the square footage of like a, a Midwest basement, it's probably the like, size of my apartment growing right, up. Right. If not bigger. Right. Like my yeah. basement in my house right now, dude, I have a shower, a bathroom, a bedroom, a whole friggin' living area in, right? So like during the storm, because I have the kids, we're like, all right, we gotta go in the basement because I've got the kids, I gotta shit. But right, the storm's rolling up and I have the storage area where there's no windows and like you've got cement on two sides, and like that's where you go if it's like, oh shit, oh shit. But I was pretty much watching the weather channel on my phone while looking at my walkout basement, watching the storm come by <laughs> the whole time. And the thing the meteorologist kept saying was because the storm is 95 mile per hour winds and 80 mile per hour. these tornadoes are like literally popping up so quick that like normally with a big tornado, like an F one through F five category tornado, you can see it coming. Like, you know, it. you can look up and see it start to form and hit the ground. And you're like, all right, I got to go in the basement now. You can literally see it happen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, okay. You can watch the air kind of start to swirl, and then you start see mm-hmm. it kind of come together and get tight, and then you're like, uh oh, and then it starts to touch and the ground. Must be so some <laughs> twister shit. It, well, kind of. It's that's sensationalized, but like, so then then you would go and get back into the safety area. But yeah, I mean, I've got my buddy that was up north, and his farmland around where he lived got hit. He's just sitting on his porch, just recording the rain. Uh, that last time I drove through the tornado, uh, you've got people at Walmart. 
just standing outside watching the sky. It's just what you do because like, it's not like a hurricane or something where you're just, you're doomed and you're going to get flooded out. Yeah. It's, it's a, it's like a, it's like gambling. You're like, all right, let's see if the tornadoes are going to form. Yeah. Cool. Otherwise it's just a really aggressive, huge, massive thunderstorm. And, uh, (laughs) You don't want to drive in them. Like, for example, if you were driving in that storm, again, you're driving into 80 mile per hour headwinds that are yeah. dumping completely yeah, whitewash. Yeah, There's guys in storm chase, right? You've got, but there are people that drive through that. There are storm chasers that have modified vehicles, windshield wipers, all of the sensors to drive through that type of weather to chase these tornadoes as well. Just the Midwest thing. Man. Storm chasing is fun, though. Everybody's done it. For real. Everybody's yeah, done you it. You have to. Yeah, you and, get out. And it's pre- yeah, you get it's out on these farm. Yeah, you get out on these farmlands, right? And it's just like wide, gaping open as far as the eye can see. And yeah. you're just like, that's the most American thing it's the I've Midwest, ever heard. Man. And tornadoes, <laughs> tornadoes always go in the same direction, right? In in the in this hemisphere, um, they always go in the same direction. So as long as you know where you're supposed to be relative to the tornado, even if a tornado drops, you just have to make sure you're on the backside and not in front of it. So huh. storm chasing, dude, it's, it's, it's like mudding, but like you could die. Well, okay. <laughs> anyway, something that's so, well, something related. that's definitely, uh, American as tornadoes is what we're talking about today on the show. Isn't it? Yeah, that is correct. We are talking Ooh, about, it is we are talking about, Arguably, uh, quoting uh, here, it is named number 10 on the most American cars list, meaning that 75% more uh, or more of its parts are manufactured in the United States. That's what we're talking about today. America. We're talking about... It's an interesting tidbit. (laughs) It is. We're talking about the Dodge Viper. America. That is uh, is America. That is America. That is the deep dive car we're getting into. I I don't understand why this car has so much hype. I don't understand why this car is so America. My research, though, has led me to basically understand that this car is just a big engine block, and they slapped some cheap plastic on it and said, go fast. <laughs> um, you know, that's it. Not far I don't think off. Wrong there. Not far off. I, I don't uh, think he's very far off. Yeah, um, um, it's just nuts to me. This this car, the research that I've done and trying to learn about this car, but I guess I don't understand the essentialization of it and like the Corvette's a better car necessarily in some aspects, but the Viper has this prestige to it. I guess. Yeah. What, why? Is yeah. That? Uh, there's a lot of interesting cultural isms around the Viper, and that is. One of the reasons I like the Viper, and I think you suggested this as a topic, and I don't think you realize what you were suggesting because I like, (laughs) no, I like the Viper because it actually gives an interesting look at American culture, American business, uh, and stuff like that, that, uh, that you wouldn't expect at first glance. Um, you know, there's like... So much so, like in certain ways, the Viper was superior and inferior to the Corvette. So much so that Chevy even bought into it. Um, there's a saying that the Corvette is America's only sports car. And Chevy has continued to tout that even after the Viper came out. The Viper is obviously a sports car. Um, 
and they accepted the reason it's like a it's a weird like hey marketing we're going to ignore one fact and imply another the reason that chevy or the corvettes is america's only sports car is because viper's america's supercar um (laughs) ah and uh (laughs) that became less true in modern times but when the viper was first launched that was 100 percent the case um so i guess i don't know we'll just get you you we want to go chronological on this just get into it or yeah yeah. Let's Wh- talk, when mean, when was the first uh, production or, or the concept of the Viper made? So I, I think from the production launch to yeah, late yeah, eighties. It was uh, nineteen eighty eight was the initial conception clay model, and it was basically Chrysler wanted to get in the sports car game. Because uh, there are a few things going on, but like they didn't really have a sports car. And what I find interesting too is that during this whole process, I mean, it was just like throw everything at this. And at the time, Chrysler owned Lamborghini. Correct. And so, correct. This has that kind of <clears throat> the Team Viper had these eighty-five engineers, and they used a aluminum block for the sports cars using Lamborghinis to put in this Viper. Which I guess would attest to why it would be more of a super than a sports car. Is that correct? What do you What do you mean the aluminum block in the sports so the, cars so basically the... they they asked if Lamborghini is casting the prototype aluminum block for this right and is kind of coming up with that and helping if Lamborghini is doing it versus like oh I see a, what you're saying so a that... sports car versus a supercar right yeah so that was the mu- that was the test mule. Right. Okay. So like, okay. so here's the thing is, you know, American car history in a nutshell, right? You have the golden era of the sixties, right? And that's the muscle cars. And that's what everybody talks about. That's when America was like the best, right? And then, uh, gas crisis hits, um, and American cars were unbelievably slow. <laughs> To be fair, all cars back then were pretty much unbelievably slow. But uh, then you go into the 80s, and America had a very difficult time finding its way post-gas crisis with the introduction of the microchip. Um, and, you know... The popularization of the turbo? Popularization of the turbo. Like, Japanese did a much better job of early adoption of that technology, and so, so do the Europeans. Let's get them credit. That's debatable. It's debatable. <laughs> well, that's debatable. I mean, I'm not saying no. I'm just saying that's debatable. In the in the rally world, they did pretty good with their turbo cars in that in that time period. So I would that's say that's true. Yeah. That's true. No, but <clears throat> well, I think so I said I, give them give them credits where it's due. I don't know. want to jump down a European rabbit hole, but I think I think culturally, <laughs> no, <laughs> I think culturally. Cars in Europe have always been a little bit more of a luxury item, whereas cars in the United States culturally are treated as a necessity, like a commodity. Like, So I think okay. that's why yeah. European brands tend to skew. Obviously, there's cheap shit, but European brands tend to skew luxury. They tend to skew more exotic because culturally there's a little bit more of like a class thing. 
a lot of people in europe you know transportation yeah yeah whereas culturally in the united states we all grew up like you had to have a car in most of the u.s you have to Um, especially here in tornado alley yeah we we are built around the automobile thank you interstate system but anyway yeah uh you know the japanese did a better job early adopting technologies and they made their interiors better and stuff like that and then you know by the 90s there was this kind of i would say late 90s there was this attitude that like american cars were pieces of crap and japanese cars were nice and so when we're talking about the Viper in the late 80s and early 90s, we're talking about this period that was very rough for American cars, I think. Um, there's a few diamonds, like the GNX, you know, Grand National, hey uh, but, but uh, it's very rough in general. So, in particular, I feel like in every socioeconomic shift, Chrysler gets hit the hardest. That's what I f- mm. feel like Ford and GM tend to pull through, and Chrysler tends to struggle. Um Ford, it's a fair observation. Yeah, that's just what I've observed. But Ford and Chevy, Ford and GM had some kind of sporting heritage that survived the gasoline crisis, right? You had the Corvette, you had the Mustang. That survived. Their their fast their their V8s found their ways into models, and they continued to iterate on those. Chrysler did not have a performance model that survived the gasoline crisis. And what was the performance model before the gasoline crisis? Well, I mean, in, in the muscle car era, everything was a performance model. Ah, uh, okay. And what okay. I'm saying is all those cars went away, but today you still have Corvettes, you still have Camaros, you still have Mustangs, right? Right. Chrysler Chrysler had... <laughs> Chrysler, Chrysler had has... So what do you see today? What do you see today? You see a, chal- or a yeah, Challenger, which had to get revived in the 2000s. Mm-hmm. And... That's it. And if you look at a lot of the muscle car models, the name existed in the 80s. It was a POS, a Kano box, sedan. <laughs> so at some point in the 80s, Chrysler was like, hey, we need a sports car. Because, you know, by that point in time, it had been a solid 15 years since the gas crisis. Japan's shooting war. <laughs> with their muscle car era had started. Um, Ferrari put out the Testarossa, which looked like a spacecraft. Um, The Ferrari put out the F40, which was like debatably for the time, the first hypercar quote unquote, Uh, Mm -hmm. the McLaren F1 would be out not long. Like the world was starting to get an appetite for these crazy, you know, Porsche had started turbo in the 911 and it was nuts. Um, And the world had started to kind of, be like, hey, we want, you know, all these car magazines started doing supercar shootouts. People were like, we want it, we want it, we want it. And Chrysler was like, we don't got nothing. Like, we got those weird Shelby Econo boxes that we talked about in a past episode. <laughs> um, right. That's it. That's all they had that was, like, remotely fast. So they wanted a sports car. Um, and if you're an American company that wants to build, like, something that's like a supercar, what are you going to do? You're going to aim at the Corvette. That's yeah, you would definitely want that to be your direct competition. Faux show. And so, if, uh, you, if you think about it, at the time, what does Chrysler do? They own Lamborghini. What does Lamborghini do? They make multi-cylinder exotics. 
and they have a truck with a V10 engine. V10 just sounds cool. Type. Nobody's ever done that before. So like, yo, Lambo, cast us a prototype. We're going to try and put this. It's, it's, it's literally the Shelby Cobra, dude. Because back in the day, Shelby took a British tiny little roadster and he shoehorned a big-ass engine in it. <laughs> I mean, that's a good formula to, to build on. So, yeah, we can't really fault him. No, not at all. Um, and the result of all this flim-flam was this. In 1991, they released the initial Viper, um, commonly referred to as the RT-10. And it was, it was ridiculous. It was absolutely ridiculous. You, it, it was, it was, it was like something an Italian manufacturer would do. It didn't have door handles on the doors. You had Did, to reach inside. Or locks. This yeah. car is insane. This car is insane. Yeah. There is no safety features. There is no airbags. No traction mm-hmm. control. Nope. Um, no anti-lock brakes. No anti-lock brakes. No air conditioning. All of the, no air conditioning. No AC. The interior looks like an R34, um, <laughs> <laughs> meaning that it sucks. Yeah, it looks like, like chintzy plastic. plastic. It's all cheapy plastic. Cheapest mean? plastic. Yeah. There's- uh, for the record, for the record, everybody, who those who do not know, the Nissan BNR34 GTR has really cheap plastic interior. That is, we're going <laughs> on the record on that. It's the yeah. worst of the Skyline GTR. Uh, brand line for that area that means the r32 has better interior the r33 has better interior than the r34 and that's a statement of fact that's not an opinion take the parts put it in a better car all right anyways let's back to back to the uh dodge right here <laughs> take your so, drinks we talked about scott take, take a drink your, take your drinks you're welcome uh so i mean this thing is has no storage capacity whatsoever um outside of the glove box which is sacrificed for the airbag the middle area they're just like here's some speakers uh, windows don't exist. Uh, roof doesn't those? exist. Right, and so <clears throat> it didn't come with a hard top. For the, no, it doesn't. It, it was a pure roadster. It was a pure roadster, and you could click in the windows, and then it had a zipper on the window, so you could reach through to unlock the door. And like to, to lock the door, you just reach in and lock it or unlock. What's the point? Uh, you could see screw bolts everywhere inside the interior. They just didn't care. It, they, they knew that the people that wanted to buy this, it seems, were just like, I just want a fast maniacs. car. A maniacs. Uh, <laughs> Those willing to die. 400 horsepower in a chassis that weighs 3,200 pounds, some odd pounds, like on a tubular frame with resin, resin transferring, transfer molding. Yeah, like yeah, yeah. basically fiber the fiberglass of the time paneling like not even aluminum like it it's a death trap is and what if, i would call it to me that that seems like you're low to the ground you're exposed to the elements that's that's like a race car you're I, like looking at that i would want to wear you're in a tub of helmet. fiberglass i, I want to wear a helmet <laughs> if i were to if i were to drive one of these i'd want to wear a helmet because like a helmet a, a hans device yeah. a fireproof suit <laughs> straight up you do. Like, it's so it's it, yeah it's just and it, the engine block is also red this is important uh the engine block is painted red uh, and it's massive and it looks really pretty and it's so the initial Viper had a zero to 60 time in the low four second range, right? Just to give you an idea of how insane that was in 1990, 
the ZR1 Corvette, which was the very limited edition, had a dual overhead cam engine made by Lotus, um, and was famous for being faster than the turbo 911 Porsche. Uh, that had a zero to 60 time of a full second f- slower in the low five second range. And the base model vet of the time had a zero to 60 time in the six second range. So the Viper, a normal Viper was two seconds faster to 60, 33%, wow. uh, than a base Corvette and one second faster than the most exotic, rare, hard to find vet you could buy at the time. Um, Wow. So they succeeded. They did. Actually, this car created a huge buzz. And it was like, in the 90s, this was like the Miami, like, you know, I got a pinky ring and I want to look wealthy. <laughs> like, it, it, it was. It, had, it definitely had this status. And that's... and Oh, it's the Lambo of modern days. Well, and Chevy kept saying America's only sports car about the Corvette because they just didn't have an answer at the time uh, wow because yeah viper was a supercar it's not a sports car um so that's pretty neat um they came out with the second generation in 96 which i think is probably the most iconic in most people the lay person's mind's eye that's when you get the coupe uh okay this is the late 90s, the GTS. early 2000s. Yeah. You now actually have some safety features, so it's not just this niche market of who can own this thing um, type of thing, correct? Like, Well, uh, the second gen doesn't really... Uh, there's really no... It, it's still a, a go-kart with a V10. Um, <laughs> okay. You know, there's refinements like door handles... And it has a hard top. Um, <laughs> Refinements like door handles. <laughs> put I put mean, that in a quote underneath the Viper GTS. I, look, I'm just saying that they gen. have airbags now and air conditioning and power windows. Uh, yeah. You know, those sort of things. As far as – so vi- Vipers don't suffer fools, period. Like it's okay. – uh, I mean it has a – ton of power that you know they the initial viper had 400 the gts came out and it was at 450 and they only go up from there um so you know you've always been flirting with 500 horsepower in a very lightweight car with no no nannies um so it will bite you if you drive like an asshole and it's easier to drive it like an asshole just because of the vast amount of well it also has a ton of torque it has it's a what was it? What was the initial Viper? It's an eight or was it a seven liter? It had like uh three hundred and sixty five foot pounds of torque or something like no four eighty six. Yeah, but how many? I know they eventually went to an eight point three. Damn, how many liters was, the was it? First V ten. Just looking at it. Uh, it had, uh yeah, it had had four hundred and sixty five foot pounds of torque at a uh, thirty six hundred RPM. The first gen Viper. Yeah, but I mean, think think of so the the. Let's see, it was an 8-liter... What was the first engine size? Yeah, 8-liter. Eight 8-liter eight was the initial engine size. 8-liter. Yeah. 8-liter. Yeah. 8 8-liters. Eight eight a lot of... It's a truck, as you said. <laughs> well, a, a Corvette... It got, it got bigger, though. It did get bigger. It eventually got to an 8.4. But a Corvette is known for having Jeez. its big engine, and that's a 5.7-liter. 
Our GTRs, our GTRs drink have a 2.6 liter. The Viper started life with an eight liter engine. <laughs> That's uh, insane. Massive. Massive. That is a massive engine. Um. So, so you got the first and second generation. Yeah. Massive engine. This is the iconic. It is just a big engine and a and a chassis around it. Who cares? Massive Sporting engine American. and a lighter lighter pistons. I just want to point that out. Had lighter pistons. I'm just reading okay. over here. Well, it, gotcha. which is pretty cool. Yeah, it, I have. I have mixed feelings about those lighter pistons, but that's me. I'd have to get on a tech soapbox question. and talk about that. I, so I have questions. Do the stripes make it go faster? Absolutely. Yes. 100%. <laughs> and the stripes became an option in 96. So that's And that's, for me, those stripes, that's that's like Dodge. That's like their thing. Their current, like, O'Teef now with their branding has those two stripes on it. I will say, Is that right? if you buy a second-generation Viper and it's not blue with white stripes, I don't want it. Whoa, 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 whoa. See, I was going to say, what what is our favorite color for the second generation Viper here? Because it's definitely oh yellow with black stripes. No way. Yes. Blue, blue with white. It, it, it. Let's, isn't that too Shelby Daytona on the nose? The point. That was the point. That was the point. They were, that's, they were trying to inspire feelings of the Cobra. I mean, look at this. They use the Cobra as a, as a benchmark. They, the motif, it's a viper. They're get, using a snake. They got Shelby. Uh, they got Shelby to market the car for them. Carol Shelby himself marketed this car. He didn't actually develop much of it, but his name was all over all the promotional material. They were literally trying to make a Daytona coupe. Didn't realize that. Okay. Yeah. I, I like stand by white, my statement. Like, Yellow, like black stripes. Blue. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go with the white and blue. <laughs> oh, the white and blue is pretty cool. Where, you, where they flip it, flip it and reverse it. Yeah. 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 Flip it and reverse it. I'm gonna go with the white and blue. I'm it's, also uh, looking at pictures of this next generation, the third and fourth generation Viper, yeah, the SRT the ten. Jesus, what a piece of shit. <laughs> <laughs> so hold on. Before we, before we, wait, why? Hold on, before we but shift. Gears, looks terrible. On, before we shift gears, totally. Okay. They started. <laughs> they started, and this is this is actually going to feed into your point, Lenny. Okay. They started going racing with the second gen, and they were in like uh, ALMS, um, like FIA Le Mans type stuff. And they had a reasonable amount of success. I think they had an overall class win, quite a few race wins, I think a couple seasons. So there's this weird British company that I'm absolutely in love with that no one's ever heard of called Lister that made a car called the Storm. And that randomly won. And the Vipers were second and third behind it one season. But they were campaigning the second gen Viper quite a bit with a reasonable amount of success. Um, Shortly thereafter is when the Corvette would enter its golden era of dominance of ah. FIA racing. But right before that, the Vipers were kind of cleaning up house. And that, and actually, the Viper kind of mobilized Chevy to start taking the Corvette seriously. Um, but, so they're racing the second gen. And then, yes, third gen drops in, uh, in 03. And as Lenny suggested... I think when the third gen came out, it was pretty well received, but it has not aged well. No, not at all. I mean, it still had a V10. I mean, not much was changed, but like stylistically, um, yeah. I don't... 
it had not, a, not for me. It had a better chassis. It had more power. It was a little bit lighter. 8.3 in the third generation. Yep. It, they reached the magical 500 horsepower mark. Um, it was still pretty. And then they put really, li- really loud lime green yeah, paint on it. I remember that. Uh, <laughs> this, this car is very early 2000s. That lime green color is so 2000s. I like the, uh, yeah. they had a silver one with black stripes in this generation, and that would be my pick. So what was the massive, I mean, so you guys are, are dis, is it because of the chassis change? I mean, it, apparently it got better. The no, vehicle it's, itself got better, but look, like. Look, if we're robots. No, if we're robots, it's a better car. There's no, okay. there's no debating yeah. that. It's a better car. Sure. Okay. Um, I just don't think the design. I just. It's, I, it's, it's like. Is it because um, it has a roof? <laughs> no. no, it's like. The design, the lead designer, took uh, a lot of magical mushrooms and sat down in front of his little writing pad and was like, "Okay, I'm building the next Viper car." Uh, then built a snake-looking car. It looks like a snake. Like it's it's spot on. The vents and all the the vents along the car look like scales on a on a Viper or like a, a pit Viper. Sure. And the eyes, like it's it's spot on. It just looks weird. It looks it looks, uh, it looks like know. a Power Wheels car to me, like a Hot Wheels. wheels. Uh, yeah, yeah. Sorry, Power Wheels is those little things you drive. Yeah, Hot Wheels. Yeah. Hot Wheels are, hot wheels. are the, the diecast models. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it looks yeah, like okay. it looks like a Hot Wheels car. I so so third and fourth generation, arguably better cars if we're robots, but look wise, it looks like a Hot Wheel car and it's just goofy. It doesn't look. Do, 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 yeah, a little, yeah. The first, the first gen Viper, they channeled some like 1960s, like timeless beauty in those cars. Mm-hmm. They okay. really did. They, they they're really good looking cars. They're really good looking cars. And and I think the second gen was like a typical movie sequel, where like the first the first yep. movie is kind of magical, and then they try and build on that, and like all of the all of the things are there. The actors there, the 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 plots there, the production value and the budgets there. But like the actual movie just isn't as inspired and uh, and timeless as the first one. I gotta stop you right there and say two towers, but carry on. Uh, <laughs> yeah, um, Lord of the Rings reference there. Oh, two towers he, is the best of the three. Here's and so the other tidbit is that. So in this this generation, they took them racing, but enjoyed almost no success. Ah. Um, this is the era, so we're post, you know, we're into the C6 Corvette. Or no, we're still C5 there, right? When did the C6 come out? Am I losing I my think- mind? Was... I just so I don't understand. I, I just don't understand what happens 05. here because so the chassis looks a little goofier. They're losing. Are they just getting outclassed at this point? Which is why they're losing their iconicism. I mean, there's still Viper fanboys of this generation, correct? Yeah, and the sales weren't doing so well. I think. Yeah, the sales started to wane. So like the Viper had kind of become old hat, so to speak. Like you know, you come out with it, and people are like, oh my god. Um. 
Chevy released the C5 Corvette in 97, which is around the time the second gen came out. The Viper was still a little bit faster. Chevy refined their racing program with the C5R um, and okay. had started to dominate Le Mans, Le Mans into the 2000s. And Le Mans. Le Mans. <laughs> and then by the time the the third and fourth gen Viper came out, they were into the C6, and the C6 got pretty serious. Um, and the... So, like, for instance, the... When did the ZR1 launch? So we've uh, got... <clears throat> a competition, basically, is helping push this out of the way. And also... You have the fact that in 2010, I mean, apparently this did so bad that they essentially canceled. They did production of this uh, for a while. Yeah. So con- consider it- consider this, Ryan. Um, the C6 Corvette came out before this new generation of Viper came out. In 2006, right before the new model was launched, um, they came out with the Z06 Vet, which had. 500 uh, 500 horsepower same amount of power as the viper and then gotcha. a few years later they came out with the zr1 that had 630 horsepower so like and that was psychotic so like <laughs> chevy chevy was like we will not be outdone after the viper like trashed their image in the 90s and they started right getting up and um in a lot of ways the the c6 vet was just a better car in terms of so, refinement interior accessibility the vet helped kind of kill off the viper in a way it came back bit bit back uh at this it well we killed off production yeah and then we've got this yeah, gen you had a couple things going yeah, on. there was a three there's a there was a three year gap yeah, you had a, you had a couple things going on because this is also the period of time when Ferrari um, stopped being a you know really finicky handmade you know by candlelight by Luigi um, sure. and started taking <laughs> their technology and stuff very seriously and like nowadays like Ferrari is on the cutting edge of like tech and computer integration to cars and that you know because back in the 80s and 90s dude ferrari cars was just like the electricals would just randomly take a dump um right and uh we had you had this guy named michael schumacher show up on the f1 division <laughs> and uh the goat and he helped modify and work on the car yeah not just yeah. being handed the car he actually helped work on and develop it instead of just being handed a car and uh there we go. Ferrari magically becomes better because I mean, yeah, this is the two thousands. This is during the era of the goat. Yeah, I think basically the story of that generation of Viper was it just got outclassed, like you said earlier, Ryan. Yeah, uh, really, it, it didn't change from it the first the the first two generations and uh, that much. They just added racing stripes, basically. Is I mean that's yeah. They just what added more more vents. Yeah, more vents. Viper is snake more. Well, Corvettes, Corvettes were cheaper, right? The Viper was kind of priced into like a budget Ferrari, maybe Porsche 911 category. Corvette was cheaper, and so there was a time when the Viper was like kind of the performance bargain. And then as you move into the 2000s, 
it's like, hey, the Ferrari is like a nicer car, period. It's about as fast. Huh. The interior is great. The tech is much better. Um, and the Corvette is cheaper or the ZR1 was like the same price and the ZR1 has a hundred more horsepower now. Um, so it kind of got priced and specked out of competition sneaky as time went on. Right. So then the Viper is already a sort of niche market. That market shrank yeah, even yeah, more yeah. so because the competition was better. We basically stopped production of the third and fourth generation that have just killed off this entire ethos. And then we bring back the IP with the fifth generation. Why do we bring back the fifth generation? What is it that makes this car so good that they bring back this IP from the dead, right? I mean, I know we're in the culture of bringing back IPs. That's like the thing. Let's just milk stuff instead of being creative. Why would they bring back this name and this chassis and this idea of the Viper? What is that, that that's so cool? Well, they went they went back to the drawing board is what they did. Is they, you know, they weren't selling and they were like, all right, we're, we're, we're stopping and we're just going to. We're going to scrap it and we're going to come back. Um, and so that they, they really went completely bare bones, base level redesign. Um, they had acquired Fiat in this period of time. And there is this huge joke that Dodge interiors are absolute trash garbage. So they commissioned some people you know, internally with Fiat Italians, ooh, they have a rep for making nice interiors. They design the interior. They redesigned the model to look more like the original Viper. They kept the thing that everybody liked, which was always the engine. Everybody always liked the engine. Um, so they, you know, they revised that. But, you know, they were just like, hey, maybe if we just reboot this and philosophically just scrap everything and come back at it, we can have more success. And it flopped. The well, first two years it flopped. It did. Here's the thing. Here's the thing. Like, they succeeded. The fifth generation Viper is gorgeous. Yeah, it's a great car. The interior is pretty nice, and by Dodge standards, it's amazing. Uh, <laughs> by by normal car standards, it's pretty nice. By Dodge Sanders, by Dodge. Yeah. Okay. It's unheard of good. Um, you know, now they're up in the 650 horsepower range. They even tamed the freaking, they even made it drivable. Yeah. They've got traction control in the rain now. Uh, yeah. And if, if, that you, long. if you look at the ACR versions, which is like the performance spec with the crazy rear wing and the, and the stuff like, if you read these supercar shootouts from the time, the Viper was the best car. Yeah. The last gen the last gen Viper ACR is is a proper track weapon for sure. It, Wild. Yeah. Like if you read about like the, the Z06s or the ZR1s of the time compared to the Viper, if we're going American to American, all the reviewers complain about I can't put power down in this Corvette. It just slides, it just spins the tires. Viper had extreme amount of downforce, and they said it just stuck. It would just hook. They actually yeah. tamed it with downforce, and uh, and it would put down way faster times in the vet, and it was easier to drive, and it felt better. Um, but yeah, the sales they they even made a TA model, which stands mm -hmm. for time attack model, 
on the on the last generation, which is dope. So do we I have think to add that it's yellow? Yellow is the is the key, is the color here. <laughs> yellow is the key for is your is, is your your GTR is not yellow. So no, it's blue. Oh, wow. Uh, <laughs> yellow GTRs just don't no, don't do it for a, me. You have a color code for your GTR, actually. TH one. Thank you. Uh, so <laughs> just for me then. So kind of t- this is a car that that in production in the beginning was just this this gem that came out of nowhere was super american in the early 90s didn't care about interior was didn't care about safety uh had the exhaust on the side so you could possibly burn yourself before the labeling on hot coffee don't spill on your lap type of stuff existed this car wouldn't be produced today it just wouldn't no um but it's a gem. Then we have this kind of middling period that's kind of mediocre, outclassed by its other competitors and the market. Kill it off to try to revive the IP. Do a pretty decent job. It's still niche, though, and doesn't succeed enough. And now the Viper's dead forever, arguably. Part of it, from what I'm reading, is because it still didn't comply with safety regulations. And then, obviously, if we look at safety regs nowadays, the the side airbags, all of the other things that are required... Um, this car just doesn't do it. I mean, this is this is ultimately a race car uh, that you could take on the road more than it is anything else. I mean, it is not. Like I said, I'd wear a helmet driving this thing. Even even this fifth gen, I would still. I'd probably put a freaking roll cage in it and uh, still rock that. So let's kind of break it down. Then we've talked about the five generations. Let's go ahead and bring it into scrap race daily. Hey. I think- I think we already all know which car is getting scrapped here. I have I had no idea going into this. <laughs> well, Honey and John said they'd already know. Just just I, I, just breaking it down for the listeners. Okay, break it down for the listeners. So yeah, we're talking about the Viper today. So we're gonna play Scrap Race Daily with basically what I'm saying is Gen One, Gen Two because they're very similar cars. I don't care which specific spec or model you pick between the Gen One and Gen Two, but that's one. Gen 3, Gen 4. Again, don't care which spec you pick, but they're very similar cars. And the Gen 5. So the latest Viper. The same way we broke it down uh, as we've talked about these. That's how we're doing it. I'm interested in what the viewers uh, have decided on this as well. You guys say you're in agreement. Can I take a guess? Well, we don't. We think we are. We haven't told each other what our picks are, but I think we probably are. (laughs) Yeah. I feel like, okay, let me take a general ballpark. I just want to see if I can get this one. You're going to scrap the third and fourth generation uh, from what I, I've understood. You're going Bing to, bong. You're going to race the fifth generation, and you are going to daily the first and second generation. Uh, you yes. have – nope, I'm, I'm the opposite. Winner, winner, I'm winner the opposite. chicken dinner for me. Oh, okay, okay. So you guys aren't in agreement. We right. aren't. I'm surprised, actually. Am why is that? Uh, why? Uh, so for yeah. me, uh, the fifth gen is like what I said is a proper track weapon. So I have to have to see what it's capable of on the track. It's it's the most cap. It's it's the best, right? Um, and the fastest by by any measure in the the category of Viper. So for me, that's an, an easy kill, clean kill, no brainer. Uh, as for why I would pick the first gen, or actually would be the second gen GTS Viper, uh, yellow black stripes 
for anybody who's wondering. <laughs> uh, it's really because I have absolutely no consideration for my own life. Uh, <laughs> and so, uh, I don't know, I, I would love to drive, just, if, I feel like it would be an awesome thing to drive every day. And I also n- kind of know somebody who does have uh, that generation Viper GTS, and he drives his Viper to work uh, more often than not. I see it in the parking lot. It's nice and blue. Dang, I might wow. have to drop that picture in our Instagram and Twitter for those listening and who want to know. It's it's blue with white stripes, so it's very much Shelby Daytona. Beautiful. Uh, okay, so me and Lenny don't agree. <laughs> um. <laughs> This is where it gets spicy. All yeah. right, let's go. I'm not going to go with 3-4 just because we've argued about this before, but to me, in picking a car, like, first and foremost, it has to, like, make my heart swell when I look at it. And the 3-4 just doesn't do it for me. Um, I'm going to pick the Generation 1-2 to race because, I mean, those cars are just so... Uh, you know, it's one of those things where it's like, I probably shouldn't do this, but I'm totally gonna, um, you know, there's a lot of compromises and problems that the car has, but like, holy crap, it's pretty, holy crap. And it's, it's special and, and all that, but I'm going to daily the chin five because there's, it's such a peach. They they all they they all the lessons they learned and, and, and the development they put it all together and it's it's better around a track, it's better every day, it's just a better car, and it is so pretty. I think the Gen 5 is really, really, really friggin' pretty. Um I was very impressed when they came out with it. Um and I, I just I think it's like a I think they did a really good job in like a, as a culmination vehicle, and I think it's a real shame that it was a commercial flop. I think Dodge has some image issues that people couldn't look around, and um, you know, but technically there's no reason that car should have been a flop. It just was. It's doing very well in the secondary market, though. It is yeah. after they discon like they were given crackhead sales to these cars when they were on the showroom. After they've discontinued, now you can't buy one for MSRP. Yeah. Wow. So what about you, Ryan? Well, uh, I'm going to agree with you guys. I'm gonna, From what I've learned, I'm going to scrap this third, fourth generation and just forget the early aughts entirely. Um, this is a hard choice for me. Looking at this, I, I'm so torn because, like, I feel like I want to – if I'm looking at it like just having a garage and I've got a collection of all these cards we built up over doing this game and it's a collection piece, I'm going to go ahead and keep the first generation Hyper in the garage, right? For me, I, I agree with Lenny. I'm going to take the car that is performance, high, everything, take the package, the Viper ACR package, and have a really fun time with it and also don't feel like I'm just going to straight up die. Uh <laughs> I have things to live for, but have a really good race day with it. It's because if I look at racing these, this older car, it's 400 horsepower. I could go get in any modern car now, uh, like the greatest car on earth, like my Honda Odyssey and probably 
the feel of it's not going to be the same. <laughs> I mean, I could just say a Type R or or any modern vehicle now is going to have a comparable punch power wise, but not necessarily the feel of the first generation, which I again, I'm going to put in my garage. But I think that the fifth generation is going to be like, wow, this is a really, really fast car. And I would enjoy racing that and not possibly dying. It's going to have traction control. It's going to have things that I'm used to operating with a racing vehicle. And for me, that first generation specifically, if I'm going to look at it like in my garage and it treat it like the GTR that Lenny has right now in his garage, where I just look at it, I kind of start it up, I wash it, and I put it back. <laughs> but never drive it. But never drive it. That for me is a cultural you. icon. It's it's it it looks amazing. It's got the no door handles. I uh, I think it looks super cool and is very much of its era. Um, so to like have that as as a as a collection piece as a oh, look at my shiny car it's it's got the red to it I would have the hood popped all the time because the engine is beautiful that's for me what I would do right if I'm looking at it from that standpoint yeah I take it out every so often but to have it in my garage I'd rather have this this historical icon and go race the car that's actually built for racing so that's where I'm at on this I would like to hear what the fans have to say. You can yeah, I think I'm gonna. Twitter. I think I'm gonna put up a poll uh, yeah. on our Insta and Twitter because I could do that. You can find us at uh, Zero Lift Podcast for sure. I want, I want someone <laughs> to run to the defense of the Gen Three Gen Four Viper and fight me. Okay, somebody call out John. <laughs> Tell us why the third and fourth generation Vipers are actually legitimate. Smack uh, me. And you can do that at Zero Lift Podcast, either on Instagram or on Twitter. And if you really feel like writing an essay to John, you can send us uh, Zero Lift Podcast at gmail.com. So that has been our take on learning about the Dodge Viper. Uh, hopefully you took something away from this American cultural icon. icon. I know I did. It is an icon. Um, take your color away. Let us know what, uh, what type of style you like. John likes the uh, blue and whites. And he's got the yellow and black, and I'm more of a white and blue guy. Yep, yep. Yellow and black stripes, dude. That's the class. It's great. It just looks so good. Right. Uh, quick editor's, go editor note here. Yeah. Um, you could hit us up at on our Twitter or Instagram at zeroliftpodcast.eth. Uh, that's right. If you, if you put in the search, that's what you're going to get. Just yeah. make sure to do that. It, the Ethereum is important. <laughs> we are modernizing people. We keep it Web pinned. 3, baby. No lift, as they say. So that's been another episode. Thanks for tuning in with us, and uh, we'll catch you next time. Keep it pinned. Later. <laughs>